This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. As details of the GOP tax plan were released recently, some of the conversation turned towards the issues around real estate. The amount of mortgage interest that can be deducted is one issue that has the real estate industry saying that they might fight the proposal overall. To take a look at the real estate side of this story, we welcome in Benjamin Keyes, assistant professor in the Department of Real Estate here at the Wharton School, as well as a faculty research fellow at the National Bureau of Economic Research. And also joining us, Michael Knoll, professor of law and professor of real estate here at the University of Pennsylvania. Good to see you both. Thank you both for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, Reaction uh, to the mortgage interest deduction quandary that seemingly has been put forward. Uh, I I will preface it by saying I've heard some conjecture by people that saying that to a degree changes like this are are due. You know, the time has come for this to happen. Ben? Yeah. So first, you know, we should think about this in the broader context of of the overall tax plan, which is, um, you know, very regressive, (laughs) very fiscally irresponsible. Um, but also has a few components to it, which uh, which makes sense <laughs> to a lot of economists. And so trying to balance the, the good and the bad of, of this overall tax plan, economists have been consistently, um, you know, negatively disposed towards the, the mortgage interest deduction. If you look at the evidence, um, basically the highest income households are the ones who receive the largest benefit. Yeah. And the motivation for the, the deduction, at least in policy circles, is that it encourages homeownership. Um, but with you know over you know almost a hundred years worth of mortgage interest deduction, there's no empirical evidence uh, which shows that when the value of the the interest deduction changes, that home ownership is affected in one way or the other. So it's a very ineffective uh, and regressive policy, and I think a lot of people um, have viewed it uh, as a potential thing on the chopping block for a long time. But it's also a, a very large source of um, uh, of tax expenditure from the government standpoint. And so finding other ways to encourage homeownership and other ways to support housing um, that are designed in a smarter way are, are a really natural thing that a lot of economists have encouraged. That's not what this bill does, but this bill yeah. does uh, reduce the value of the interest deduction. Michael? Um, well, there are good reasons for the good reasons for removing or eliminating the mortgage interest deduction or reducing it. On the other hand, a lot of people have bought into it. So the problem is, on, on the one hand, it may be considered economically inefficient, illogical, as Ben points out, but the value of those deductions get capitalized into the price of the house. So right. everybody who's a homeowner has, in effect, paid for those benefits, and they're reflected in their price of the house. And if we were to eliminate those benefits, the current owners would be the ones who would take the loss. And that has been the dilemma for many years in dealing with. Is it your expectation that the that the real estate industry is going to fight this tooth and nail? Absolutely. Or? Right. What what happens at the end of the day remains to be seen, but absolutely. I mean, there's every reason to fight it, and one reason is is basically they operate on the margin, yeah. in the sense of the builders. It's only the increase in supply that they're providing. And so you can really have a big cutback in construction and a pretty hefty recession in an industry from small changes in law and total supply. Which means, and it's kind of important, as we've discussed in the past, uh, where we are kind of in the cycle of home ownership right now, we still have 
relatively low levels of home ownership, higher levels than we've seen in the past of, of rental, uh, that people want to rent apartments, rent houses instead of having that home ownership. So is the impact in your mind, Ben, one that it would have a significantly negative impact on home ownership even more than we're already seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's sort of a delicate balance. This is something we've talked about in the past in terms of affordability, that this will drive down the, the price of houses when you think about the user cost of housing and um, how much people will be willing to pay for, for a home, especially more expensive homes that are above the $500,000 uh, mortgage limit. Uh, but so that's so that will lower uh, prices, and so homes will be effectively cheaper. Uh, but what you'll have is because um, all existing homeowners are grandfathered in, a real resistance to sell their property, um, either uh, sort of selling it at a, at a true loss or at sort of an economic loss. If you want mm -hmm. to think about it that way, it's more valuable to the to the homeowner who's currently in the house uh, than it will be because they can get the full deduction relative to any potential buyer. And so what that's, what that's going to do is likely lock a lot of people into their homes, uh, further reducing the supply of houses on the market and further driving up the overall price uh, of housing. So it actually sort of cuts in, in both ways. Um, but I think uh, on net, you'd expect this to, to really freeze the, the housing market for those sort of higher priced houses. Right. I, no, I would agree. It's going to freeze it for those higher priced houses because you can deduct the interest on up to a million today, or actually a million one, and it will be five hundred thousand after, uh, assuming that the bill passes. But realistically, that 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 affects in doing the reading over the weekend. That affects certain areas of the country more so than others. Right. California being one in and around the Bay Area, and and to a degree where we are in the East Coast. When you think about New York, yeah. Boston, through Philadelphia, and down to D.C. as well. Well, one is the lock-in, but there are also other problems here. That is probably the biggest impact comes from doubling the standard deduction. Right. Because you only take the mortgage interest deduction and the deduction for state and local taxes right. if you don't use the standard deduction. So doubling the standard deduction is going to push more and more people away from itemizing. Yes. I mean, that makes it simpler to file, but it means at the margin you're paying the full cost of your mortgage or of your real estate taxes, rather than just a fraction. And that's going to cut to a much larger section of the population that I don't think we have a great mm -hmm. estimate of, although I've seen uh, that you know the, the fraction of people itemizing might fall from about a third down to one in 10 would be itemizing with this increase in the standard deduction. So it's not just going to be, be affecting those large mortgage households, the folks with mortgages above half a million. Mm -hmm. It's really going to be a much broader set of of homeowners who are going to be um, immediately affected in changing sort of the value of what um, an, a new buyer will be willing to pay for their house. So it just won't be a, a an issue of California and New York and Philadelphia. You'll see a variety of other locations and and people that may have been wanting to sell a home for you know three hundred or three hundred fifty thousand dollars that are going to be impacted by this. Yeah, I mean the effect will certainly be strongest in the coastal markets that are where you have the highest price houses, but it, those those markets also have the highest state and local taxes, and yeah. so it's a double whammy uh, for those coastal markets. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call if you'd like to join in. We're talking with Benjamin Keys uh, and Michael Knoll. We're talking about the uh, real estate elements of the GOP tax plan. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. With that as a potential, as an option of being in the in the tax plan, 
does that potentially spur people to, if they were on the edge of wanting to buy a home and they were thinking more of the spring coming up in 2018, does it potentially spur them to maybe get something done here in the next couple of months before we get to the end of the end of the calendar year? No, I think the other way around. Okay. First, the effective dates were made, I think, November 2nd. So last week. So we're week done, yeah. In terms of, and, that only, and the only thing that really turns on that is the mortgage. Right. Um, the rest is if you th- have a $300,000 house and the bill goes through and you used to itemize and you're not going to do now, and maybe you have high uh, property taxes, you're still hit with those, whether you buy a new house or an old house. I think it's going to have the opposite effect. To the, it's going to encourage people to wait because I think unless you really have to sell, I think sellers are going to wait because they're going to be reluctant to take those losses. Yeah. And I think buyers are going to have a little bit of cold feet at the moment and say, let's wait and see what goes through. The moment the deals are pretty sweet in terms of taxes, yeah. they're only going to get worse. They're not going to get better in a new bill. So let I can afford to wait. Better I should rent sure. for a little while rather than jump in. Ben? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think the yeah you know, we have to keep keep in mind that this is just the first uh, the first proposal that has any meat on it. Right. Everything else has been more vague than this, um, and you know, so we have to allow for um, the various uh, the various lobbying arms and the various uh, affected political groups to to speak out against this. And certainly, as has already come up, the National Association of Realtors, National Association of Home Builders. Um, and the home builder stock prices plummeted. Uh, I don't know if you saw that right after the announcement of this bill. They sharply yeah. fell. Uh, it was like three or four or five percent, some of them right off the bat within a few minutes. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. that there's a sense in which this may be the time to to really implement some of these changes. But I, I wouldn't expect that all of these will will be in the final bill. And so I think there is a, a real benefit to waiting um, for most home buyers right now to really see how's this going to shake out. Which is it, it's it no home builder wants to see people on the sidelines not purchasing homes. I mean, it's the last thing they absolutely want to see. And obviously, we've gone through a period where we did see and still, you know, thousands upon thousands of people decide that it wasn't the right time for them to, you know, to be able to uh, to buy a home. I mean, I think a lot of people figured as we were moving along here, lower interest rates, you know, better time to buy. That seemingly is getting pushed to the side right now. Yeah, we've and we've talked about this in the past. The scarcity of of new supply on the coasts, and especially in markets that are that are more constrained in terms of um, space for building, and this could only you know only further freeze that if if home builders decide that this isn't the right time to continue building projects and and start new building projects. Michael. Yeah, no, I I would agree, um, and. And there's a real concern that such effects may spill over, that the home construction industry is a significant portion of the economy. And the economy seems yeah. to be doing pretty well at the moment, or at least has been picking up. And, and, seemingly, has, would... and seemingly has been a big part of the jobs reports, uh, you know, each month for the last couple of years Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And so there is certainly the concern there as well. Uh, on the other hand, there's a view that's pushing very much in the opposite direction, which says look, we've put far too much money into housing and we've taken it away from other productive areas. And the reason we've done, and and we've done that compared to most other countries and people trace it largely to our tax laws and say, enough, it's time to make the change. But again, the change is being paid for by specific people who've already made a big investment 
in the current system. Yeah, yeah. And there's a you know, there's a huge component of this which is just pure loss aversion, right? There's a group of sure. people yeah. who have received a benefit for a long time that uh, that everyone knows distorts uh, behavior and distorts it towards housing. Uh, but but taking that away is, is very painful. So is there a right path then in your mind uh, of how to be able to kind of mitigate this issue and, uh, you know, make both sides happy if, if you could possibly do that? Do I have to go first? Uh, I, I, mean, I think so. There's a couple. Of piece, there's a couple of pieces to this, right? So one way to do this is to to do it much more slowly uh, and to phase it out over time, and that that cuts up against the the usual budgetary pressures that have to be forecast out over ten years. But you could imagine doing this gradually over a twenty year period and taking away this grandfathering effect altogether. Um, so that would be one one piece of it. Um, you know, the other would be to to actually construct um, a a tax policy that that truly did encourage home ownership, say a first-time home buyer tax credit that was more more permanent and that was refundable and that could be quite generous. Um, and when you start thinking about the money that's saved through the mortgage interest deduction um, and funneling some of that money into supporting affordable housing construction, affording first uh, supporting first-time home buyers with down payment assistance or other refundable tax credits, there's a lot that can be done. Mm -hmm. the, the question is where that that money goes, and you know, money is fungible, and so. What you're seeing instead is that that money is going towards filling holes that are created by ending the estate tax or lowering the corporate tax rate. Michael? Um, well, one place where we have done it slowly is really with the mortgage interest deduction. That's not indexed for inflation. That's the flat million plus the $100,000. Sure. And in a lot of places, that has no effect at all. That limit isn't hitting. But in many places, it is binding along those sort of coasts. And what has happened ineffectively is we have sort of slowly, as inflation has been fairly slow, uh, tightened that limit in real terms relative to, to house prices. Uh, more generally, I suspect this is probably not the right bill for it, though it could be the right time. There's certainly a lot of people who would think it's a time for a tax increase, not a time for a tax decrease. And if we were willing to raise taxes across the board more, uh, even though I think there's generally a consensus we need to reduce it in the corporate sector, mm -hmm. uh, at least for new capital, that a more broad increase across the board, this could be a piece of it and might be uh, still a little tough medicine, but at least come across as more palatable and more even-handed. Yeah, that said, you're always going to have uh, some very concentrated interests that will fight this regardless of how sensible the policy is uh, because it will affect their bottom line. And I think, you know, the the, the current bill tries to to play this both ways by um, benefiting, you know, the the firms in particular, the home builders through the corporate tax cut. Right. Um, so on net, this may not be such a bad thing for those firms. But if the if it does induce a sort of housing a recession in the housing market, that would be that would be very difficult for them. And uh, you know, we've talked about the the power of the realtors uh, in the past as well. So I, I I'm you know I don't expect um, that uh, that we'll see. Uh, as dramatic of a cut in the mortgage interest deduction in the final bill. What do you think this does for for realtors that are in a city like New York? Uh, I mean, we talk about how the price of real estate has gone up so significantly. I mean, obviously, it's much different than say if you're in Iowa or uh, Kansas, you know. Where, but New York City, where we have seen prices of real estate really go up, and at San Francisco, to a degree, is the same way. What is what is the impact in New York City? You think? Yeah, I mean those those types of, of folks really rely on frequent transactions, right? Realtors yeah. are are receiving a commission on each transaction, and to the extent that this 
um, causes sellers to want to wait. Um, and because they have a disproportionate value for their house, buyers want to wait uh, because they want to see how this all shakes out. That's just going to lower the transaction volume. And so I think realtors are going to feel the effects of this if it if it stays on the table. Michael? Yeah, there, there are some markets maybe um, onto themselves unique. Uh, New York, if we think of Manhattan and with tremendous amounts of foreign money coming in, yeah. um, this may not have much to do on the demand side a- at all. Uh, for the really well-to-do, the only thing limitation that's being really added here is property tax deduction limited to $10,000. Um, I'm assuming many of those people aren't people who even would pay New York City income taxes because they're not New York City residents. Right, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and the reasons for investing are different often in those cases. It's often to put the money in that, in, in some place and to preserve it much more so than for most individuals, the biggest real investment is their home. Well, the other interesting piece to it, and we've talked about this as well, is the fact that we've seen this run of, of wanting to build properties that people can rent. I, I mean, apartment building has soared in the last several years. Uh, and it's really become, I think, to a degree, a, a core of what builders have been doing because they see what you know, what the new home market really has been for the last few years. Uh, what kind of trend do you think that, that this type of a plan puts on that piece to their economy, uh, to, their, uh, to their plans of building? Yeah, I would think that it wouldn't change their their plans all that much, except to further skew their building towards towards a rental market. That the the advantages of home ownership are going to be you know marginally less um, for uh, a wide swath of of households, given the doubling of the standard deduction. And so um, you'll see a further um, approach towards encouraging um, rental uh, building towards rent rather than uh, building towards home ownership. Again, with the exception of this very high end, I think. You know, Michael's point is is a really good one, which, which is that for the folks who are you know less dependent on, um, on receiving a, a mortgage from a U.S. bank, uh, and receiving the mortgage interest deduction, maybe aren't uh, income earners in the U.S. Um, you know, they're going to continue to, uh, to purchase property um, without any without any real change to their incentives. Michael, um, yeah, as, as Ben says, it's clear it's pushing down the incentive to be an owner relative to what it currently is to be a renter. Some of the big questions we have on this bill are on really the rental side, at least as relating to real estate. And that's because some of the business provisions uh, I don't think are really understood yet. And I mean, I don't know the answers to these yet. There's some things we can see which are advantageous. Um, Folks who own real estate will have the benefit of the reduced 25% pass-through rate as opposed to having to possibly pay the maximum rate of 40%. And moreover, because there's so much capital here as opposed to labor going on, it's likely they'll get pretty close to that 25% rate. But there are other questions we just haven't sort of gotten our hands around yet entirely. I mean, I've been looking at what some of my colleagues have been writing on, the, on their blogs, and we're not as sure how businesses are going to be treated on, say, the real estate taxes and even on the state income taxes. And it's possible, it's not really clear yet, that they may be deductible in their case. And that, if that's so, that will further benefit owning to rent as opposed to owning for yourself. 
And so there may be pretty heavy pushes in that direction. Yeah. Um, but again, we don't really yet know if that's how all of these things work. They can be hard to figure out. Um, and there always could be technical corrections. And maybe you've you've seen this written about. I haven't seen it as much. But do you know what if there's anything in the the tax plan that describes what will happen to like kind ten thirty one exchanges? Is that in this version? Yeah, in this version, uh, like kind the ten thirty one exchanges. So in a like kind exchange, you can trade property and you don't have to realize your gain on right. sale at that time. Right. It's preserved for real estate, <laughs> but not for other areas. And that's because, frankly, where the huge growth has been has been with respect to equipment, especially fleets of cars. Sure, yeah. Uh, companies with large fleets turn them over and they take advantage of 1031. That's being eliminated. What's also being reduced, though, or potentially cut back, is the sale, is, is the exclusion from of gain on sale when you've owned a house. Um, that is now being, um, it used to be able to, you could do it every two years. I think the proposed bill would make it available now once every five years. You have to live in the two of your last five or seven years. You'd have to live in it five of your last eight years. Yeah. Um, and it's also going to be phased out uh, above 250000 for singles, 500000 for married, based on your, on your income, not the sales price of the house. So at the high end, it will be phased out, but that's at a very high end. Uh, and in a middle range, shouldn't be much, but but it's stricter and you can't use it as much. You have to really be living there longer. Quickly, what, what do you think about the potential impact of the changes they're talking about for the estate tax, especially when you're talking about you know, property right. that, that may be owned by somebody who passes away. And obviously a lot a lot of people have to go through that nightmare of, of taking care of that property and kind of assimilating it out and selling it. How do you think that will be impacted? Um, well, oh, before I get into the, the estate tax, one thing we should mention for the mortgage is it's only for your primary residence if this bill right, goes through. Right, exactly, yeah. No longer for On the secondary the mortgage. Second residence. Like a resort right. house or something. Yeah. Right, exactly. Big, big impact so on vacation towns. So that is going to have yeah. a big impact right. uh, on sort of vacation towns. So even if you're well below the $500,000 – you know, one house, and it's got to qualify as your primary residence. You got to be able to make a colorable case, at least. Right. Um, for the estate tax, I suspect for many folks, uh, I mean, the estate tax limit currently, or, or kicks in, the exemption is five million, a little over. Right. For a married couple, that takes you over ten, $10 million. million dollars. Yeah. So I think uh, for all but the very highest end, I, I suspect the estate tax isn't going to have much interaction. Um, with this at the at the very high end, yeah, and I'm sure right. it's all pretty com complex. Um, but as as he just mentioned, with people that own a shore house <laughs> or a, a mountain house, yeah. this becomes a huge huge point moving forward. Yeah, because anyone who would be buying this house can no longer get the benefit, and yeah. so the costs are going to jump, uh, or or you know the 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 price of these houses should fall sharply um, if this if this is put into place and, and becomes law um, and so in some ways you might see the biggest impact of this not just in the the high high cost cities but but really in those vacation towns that are really dependent on um, buyers who are able to to use the mortgage interest deduction for the second which house. has and it's hard excuse me and it'll be hard, and you can't lever up your other house right to do right it. exactly you have to sell the house and buy a new primary residence under this rules and that and that has an economic mm -hmm. impact on the town itself when you think about people not wanting those houses anymore 
you're losing a, a level of uh, of tourism on that as well. Sure. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Great having you both with us. Have to end it there. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Michael. All the best. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.